Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Well, we sitting with Andrew for another week post Christmas, waking up from your post Christmas coma. Uh, you know, fire pay, fireplace, stockings hung. You had your nice, uh, I left out a nice old fashioned uh, for Santa that, that uh, uh, it was gone. So he came and visited our house. Um, you know what? Actually, I just realized I did not make it old fashioned. I, my wife and I actually, um, I made her a whiskey sour and I actually had a daiquiri, uh, was our drink of choice on Christmas Eve tonight. So that's, you know, you could make up for that with, but making yeah. it an old fashioned. Hey, you know, I huge, huge fan of old fashions. Um, really whiskey, bourbon, anything like that in general. Brandy. Uh, uh, yep. Brandy, like brandy as I well. I like exclusively uh, brandy old fashioned, not exclusively, but I've really grown to love brandy in the last couple of years. So the majority hmm. of my old fashions are brandy now, but. Oh, nice. And well, Usually, the last couple of days, it's been brandy nogs, you know, ah, for the season, dash and mm-hmm. nutmeg on top. Uh, those, those go down nice and easy. But uh, but you can't go wrong with the old fashioned, no matter what brown liquor you're using. Yeah, that's true. And but yeah, this time uh, I went with a daiquiri, and I'm not normally, uh, you know, because I got my bar set up downstairs, and I've got you know a bunch of assorted brown liquors, um, and then I've got like a bottle of bottle of rum. I've got Diplomatical rum. I have you know Sapphire for my gin. Uh, I think I just have like smearing off or something for vodka because i'm not that big of a vodka drinker yeah yeah <laughs> car, the car crash you got a, pl- you got a plastic jug <laughs> vodka that's, that's yeah, your house the, vodka the, the, the what tonka to... taka so um you know anything that is 10 bucks in a 175 with a handle on it you know you know that's trouble or it's it's the uh the way that you name a cheap plastic jug vodka it's like you have like an algorithm it's just a, a color and a animal <laughs> So purple hawk ah. vodka, blue wolf <laughs> vodka, yellow giraffe vodka. It's like Mad Libs at that point. Yes. It's just like, That's what exactly should we what name is. our next? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Purple flamingo vodka. I like right. it. So, but I haven't had a, like, I've never made a daiquiri before and I don't order daiquiris, anything like that. So I just decided, you know, I've got simple syrup, lime, you know, why not try it out? It was really good. Highly recommend so daiquiris. Is, I mean, I guess the, I, I'm thinking there is like a, it's like margaritas where there's a official by the book recipe, but they've been mm. bastardized over the years through like the blender yeah. and bunch of ice drinks. I'm sure you, so you didn't Pretty make much. that. Yep. You made the, what's, yep. what's the real recipe? It's rum and what lime juice, rum, lime juice, and simple syrup. That's it. That's it. It's a daiquiri. Shake. Yep. Over over ice or nope. just uh up on just, a like a little coupe yep. glass. Up. Okay. Yep. Which is which is what my uh wife got me for Christmas was uh two glasses. She said it was, you know, you know, for, for me, but obviously 
I will continue making her whiskey sours uh, because she that's the one real brown liquor she likes to drink. Uh, she's not a fan of it. Why do you show- how do you make you want to swap whiskey sour recipes? I haven't made one of those in a while, but do you use the egg white, which is yes. my favorite ingredient for yeah. that? Yeah. Which the first one I had, you actually made for me. Really? When, um, yeah. In the, uh, I, I believe that was the podcast that uh, is down in infamy, uh, where we got absolute. That was whiskey, whiskey days. Uh, yes, yes. Podcast where he brought a bunch of whiskeys for us to try. Oh, and, and try, try. We did. <laughs> Well, I I blame Whiskey Dave on that because I, I like we thought we were going to try them, but then he kept pouring like the same vial. Like I don't know, he he was very um, uh, I would say generous with with, with his uh, his his vials that he gave us. So thank you for that. But yes, um, yeah. So it comes with the egg white and everything, nice. and get I try to get the froth on it, but. Uh, but uh, Teresa likes it, so that's um, you know always a plus. You know, I'm not going to give her an old fashioned. I think that's uh, it's a little too, a little too much, a little too bracing so. for her. Yeah, a little, a little too. I don't, what is it? What's it called? Spirit forward, I think, is what it's called. It's so, so I, I can mask the bourbon and brown liquor flavor a little bit more with a whiskey sour. It is a good choice. Yeah, it's very good. So, um. Anyway, uh, yeah. Well, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever uh, parlance you want to go with. Um, every, you know, overall, I had a I had a good holiday. Um, you know, was uh, hosted on Christmas Eve uh, with uh, with the in laws, uh, my wife's family, and then uh, went up to my family in in Sox Center. Uh, Dad and I uh, talked about what we're going to do here with the uh, with the frozen face off and. Mm-hmm. what our plans are going to be next. Uh, we'll obviously touch on that in the, the last, uh, in the later half of the show. Um, but oh, yeah, teaser. over. Yeah. Call over, that, we call over, that a teaser. Call that a teaser in the biz, which is what we call the business in the biz. Um, now, how about, uh, how about for you? How was your holiday? It was good. I didn't do a whole lot of anything. The, my employer gave us last Friday off and then Monday and Tuesday. So I had five Ooh. days off and I, so I went back to work today. I think five days, like yeah, that was plenty. Like I probably <laughs> could have gone over with, with four. I'm not going to complain being paid to not work, but sure. It was almost a little too much. So watched yeah. a lot of movies. I mean, there wasn't much, not a lot of hockey to say, to talk about. So mm-hmm. caught up on some of my early seventies films and, uh, did some exercise and reading and just kind of relaxed. And I enjoyed how, it. How are the, how are the films of the early seventies? Are they all wonderful? Uh, no, but, uh, <laughs> I can still find, um, something of merit even in the worst films. And so, so, so recap, what, what, like, are you just, uh, like the top X amount of movies from a certain year, or are you just randomly throwing darts to see what strikes your fancy? Or yeah. So I, your... I kind of look at what I have access to first. So I have Amazon prime and this service called canopy that you can get through libraries. And so mm. each of those have a good, stockpile of old films and there's a website i go to that you can look at it through the year so that sort of gives me some first ideas then i'll go to the top box office films 
I want to at least get like the top 20 box office movies and then I'll go to the Oscars. I'll see everything that's been nominated, pick off the ones that I haven't seen there. There's a lot on YouTube. I'll like get like randomly search something. If that was on YouTube, a lot of, a lot of times the movies are so old that there's on YouTube for free, which is nice. Sure. And yeah, there's uh, you know some gray market websites that I go to as well uh, <laughs> that uh, supply me some of these uh, some of these harder to find films. So, uh, and I don't really have a rhyme or reason to it. I just kind of what strikes my fancy, and you know, some of them I kind of bounce off me like Teflon. Don't really make much of an impression. Some that sort of engross me, uh, and it's uh, it's fun. I, I enjoy it quite a lot. So you say Oscars. So like, has there been like some really big Oscar misses you think um, kind of off the top of your head? Um, well, like as, been... as if like surprised that they received Oscar attention. Yeah. Either, either that or in a good like, way or a bad way. Yeah. Or, or like they, I don't know how this one was overlooked or anything like like as far as like it was a box office hit, but it wasn't, it didn't get award season. Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't, I'm not like a huge Oscar fan. I, I use it as a a reference more than anything. I like to see what the, I, I see the Oscars as it's a, it's the picture that the industry wants to take of itself of any given year. That doesn't necessarily mean they're the best films. That sounds poetic. Oh, thank you. Uh, but, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a surprise like throughout it's, this really hasn't changed much. But like comedy, for instance, isn't really seen as a viable genre at the Oscars. So there are like comedic performances that I feel are excellent that not surprisingly go unnominated in some of these years. It's interesting in the early 70s it had been like the first big rush of. Uh, foreign films being nominated at the Oscars. There was a movie called The Emigrants, which was, it has an Oscar oddity where it was nominated in two separate years because it was nominated, it was released in Sweden in 71 and got a best picture, or excuse me, got a best foreign film nomination for that year. And then it was released in the States the year after and it got a best picture nomination, which is really, oh. really unusual for foreign films of that of that time period. But there was a couple of others uh there was another Best Picture nom- nomination, a Swedish film called Cries and Whispers in this time. Um, and some some of the Best Actor, Best Actress, a lot of screenplay nom- nominations. Like every year, there's at least one foreign film nominated in those categories. Best Director as well as Fellini's nominated a few times, uh, Bergman as well. So this was kind of a peak uh, of international films being uh, getting some Oscar love. And generally, those are pretty solid picks i haven't been disappointed by by too many of those uh so yeah it just depends on you see what the what the industry is like like westerns are still huge in this time period whereas a couple years ago when i was watching 80s films westerns were basically dead then so it's kind of nice that Mm. here there's a there's a lot of westerns and pretty darn good ones too and so you, you get to see the trends you get to see the cultural touchstones that they're that are inspiring the films and the content of the movies it's um it's fun i like kind of going through every all kinds of genres so i'm watching musicals what? i'm watching comedies and dramas war films all kinds of different types of movies sure. that's i like that 
What year? What year did Shame come out? That had to. That was like in the fifties, wasn't it? I always thought of Shane as I think it's like fifty early fifties. I'm gonna say. I thought I always thought of Shane as like the unofficial like death of the Western. Uh, like that's kind of, but maybe Go I'm wrong on that aspect. Through the seventies, they were. I would say even more, even more prevalent than horror films. There was a film called Heaven's Gate that was released in 1980, which is a famous bomb that not only killed Westerns for pretty much the whole decade of the, of the eighties, but it killed a studio as well. It's like one of the more notorious Hollywood uh, bombs. And so that, that's the movie that is largely credited for killing Westerns. There was a couple uh, also in that time period that didn't work, but Certainly like the like B Westerns, those are replaced by B horror films. So like the the crank them out, we can do we can do these in our sleep. That became the horror sure. film in there, like slashers in particular in the early eighties. And then Westerns were largely forgotten until like Unforgiven, early nineties. And then there was a brief resurgence. They're still sort of more niche than anything. Back in like this early seventies, you can count on you know several dozen per year being being produced. Mm, so fair enough 72 was that godfather then it was i I want to rewatch that one it's probably been 10 years since i've seen it it's seen i've seen it a couple of times but it's always good to go back to that one because i do like the godfather i uh i tried to watch it like five years ago and i fell asleep really like i was like this is so boring and like to me it's just so incredibly overrated um and I know, like, my wife is probably yelling at the pod right now, just like how, she, like, it's one of her favorite films. Maybe that's a little harsh. She'll correct me on that. We'll have a, but she'll, she definitely really, really likes it. And I, I like it. I'm just like, I can't understand what he's saying. Like, I need subtitles on. It's, oh, I, yeah, I, I slow. pretty much it's watch plotting. subtitles for anything. Yeah, especially with Brando <laughs> in that era. Um, yeah. it's, it's mush mouth. He's got the cotton balls in the jowls. So you, you've got to just uh, along. And maybe it's because I'm, I'm, I'm such like in a, in a Dick Tracy type of like mindset. I just look at him at like a Dick Tracy villain where he's just, I don't know. It doesn't really scare me. And he just sounds like a mush mouth, like a character villain. Like, I don't know. So. I don't know. I know I'm in the minority. Send all your hate mails to Andrew's email because I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, I want to read it. See, I, I'm one of those people that defend the original Godfather over part two. I feel like people say, oh, part two is the best. Uh, I, I prefer the original, but uh, send me that hate mail. Uh, I know Dan Jacobson, oh, okay. J- DJ, he's probably one of these <laughs> uh, part two stands. So uh, he's he's a part three Stan. Actually. He's, <laughs> he's the only one. He's he's the one. So <laughs> he would be a part but. three Stan. <laughs> so anyway, we got Aki to talk about. I mean, kind of. Um, we got Bemidji on the docket. Uh, leaders of the CCHA halfway through the season, the unofficial halfway mark. Um. I surprised me uh, that they are where they are, but also really surprised me as how bad the CCHA is. Um, so we can always kind of take that, uh, you know, maybe with a little bit of a, a grain of the salt around the rim of a margarita. And it's a, 
it's a really like for an innocuous non-conference, I think it's a really pivotal weekend for the Huskies. Um, minus a head coach. Um, he is out uh, right now uh, coaching the World Juniors as the um, assistant coach. So Shyak behind the bench. Um, and it's a it's pivotal in a sense that we have a really bad non-conference record and um you know we're already kind of in a hole when it comes to the ccha with our performance against minnesota state earlier this year and um you know this is kind of a weekend where we need to get you know losses are going to hurt us in the pairwise um quite a bit so we we you know we're already kind of on that bubble but if we if if we drop some of these games here we're we're looking at a a situation where we have to make a really deep run um in the frozen face off to get a chance yeah slight correction you done messed up aa ron uh, they are second place if you look at winning percentage in the ccha michigan tech uh is actually in front because they've only played 10 games whereas Bemidji's played 12 so if you want to look at it through winning percentage terms, then Tech would be on top. But uh, your main point there is that the CCHA ain't very good. That certainly rings true uh, and doesn't need to be corrected. Yeah, so Bemidji State at 37th in pairwise right now. Um, yeah. Got a home and home. So you got the game at Bemidji on Friday. And then they got the uh, smartly, I think, the uh, the day between for travel and return to St. Cloud to play on Sunday. Weird, the the last three years that they've had this this uh, scheduling, they've all been home and homes, but Bemidji's gotten the first game in all three of those years. Usually they like to rotate that, like the St. Thomas yeah. uh, series in, in that same time period, they've flip-flopped between who's got the first, who's at home the first game and who's on the road. Bemidji is just a stickler. We want to start this series in Bemidji, I suppose. So, uh, but I kind of like that. I, I like that they're coming back here after the first break in Bemidji, uh, rather than, cause I think they're going to win. I think St. Cloud's going to win that, their home game, but the, the road game will be the tougher test, I think. And I think for them to be focused and, um, itching to get back on the ice over the last, you know, three week break or, or so, I think starting yeah. on the road, I think is a good idea for them. So, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be – it's not ideal for, for them to lose a game here in the series. I mean, I don't think it's going to kill your season, but, you know, uh, you, you'll lose the game up in Bemidji. I, I, you know, I, you still got room – you still got a, a decent enough schedule and, and opportunities to make up that that loss uh, in the coming, you know, last two-plus months of the regular season, but that would just make that that task that much more difficult. So – yeah, a sweep here would be really nice. Uh, and Benji's, as we've said, you know, they're at the top of a bad conference, um, depending on which way you want to look at the standings point wise or point percentage wise. They're they're near the top, at least, or if not the top. And so, I mean, it's not going to be an easy uh, series. Uh, playing Bemidji is never really an easy task. It's never really a fun task, but uh, uh there was a lot to there's a lot to play here uh, play for here and you want to get the second half started on the right foot i'm feeling good about the series i, I don't know if if you're like hey can't lose one here if that's 
uh, evidencing some trepidation or you a little worried about these uh, beavers or what, what, what's your, what's your take coming in? Yeah. I, I am a little bit worried and I, really? I don't know if it's necessarily about the beavers in general, but just, I don't know. I just feel like for this game and I, I usually hate this term, um, but I might throw it out there anywhere um, where it just kind of feels like maybe a trap game. Um, It's I I think it's, it's one on paper. We should, um, you know, be able to, to take care of, Um, you know, we've had, but I don't know. I, I, I just, there's just something back about me that is maybe a little bit worried about this series a little bit more uh, this time. So I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I, I'm, but maybe it's, um, you know, hopefully it's unfounded. Um, you know, looks like everybody is healthy. At least Reiners is back practicing uh, with the team now. So that's, um, that's a good sign. Um you know, I think, but, you know, hopefully this is kind of a series where the, we can go ahead and jumpstart, um, you know, it's like Okabe and whatnot, you know, maybe like get him out of the funk that he's been in and, you know, we're able to go ahead and, and, and get, get him some confidence. Um, but you know, they've got, um, they've got, they got a couple of good you know, solid goal scorers um, there. They are missing kind of a key defenseman who is also at the World Juniors with pole camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, you know, they came out, they took care of business. Bemidji took care of business last weekend, um, you know, obviously against uh, a very, um, a very poor Bad. Bowling Green team. Um, so, but, you know, having them get, you know, a little bit of, um, I guess that was a couple weeks ago, so maybe that's not the two case, weeks. But yeah, so I don't know. It's just um, it just has me a little bit worried, and they kind of play the type of game where it could be a little bit of a a lockdown type, you know, uh, situation. They were able to, you know, take North Dakota to overtime, so that's a solid. You know, they split against Mankato, which we didn't really do that well against. I don't know. It's just something with this and the time off and not having our head coach and and it just makes me kind of nervous. And maybe I'm just kind of thinking about all the other times we've had these types of games when our head coach was gone, where I felt like, you know, we've had kind of lackluster efforts against teams that we should win. Um, Cause I, I, I feel like I remember that happening with bot uh, with Motsko when he was coaching world juniors as well, but I'd have to double check that can't remember if, if it, when it's two years ago if Larson how many times when, when was Larson at the World Juniors because I know the 2022 he had the Olympics that year but was he also I feel like he was also at the World Juniors that same year because I, I thought that when they did the Bemidji series that year which was right around the same time. I thought that he was gone for that series as well, but maybe I'm misremembering. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's never great to have your head coach missing. Did you were you able to fact check that? Um, 
Yeah, it was uh, the 1920. Okay, so he season. Was, that's just so, that's the only other time he's been on the junior staff. Correct. Yeah. At least in his time in St. Cloud. Okay, so I don't know what. Maybe was, maybe they had a player that was missing during that. Um, oh yeah, Peart. Peart would have been missing for the last two before this. Maybe that's what I was thinking. But mm-hmm. um, we're able to sweep them that year. That would have been 2021, and then last year. They played them early in the season, and that was the first loss of the year for the Huskies uh, when they lost the game at Bemidji, and that was yeah. a big disappointment kind of game. We weren't expecting them to to play as poorly as they as they did that first game. Then they came back and beat them on the next game at home. That was the game where the Adam Ingram uh, Herbie finalist goal of the year um, was in that, that home Bemidji game last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now playing them again in this uh, Christmas break stretch of the schedule uh, and said this at the beginning of the year when the schedule was released, weird that they're playing this weekend. You've had two or three weeks off and then you have a week off after this series. Um, so it's just, you can't really get into a great rhythm. I almost wish that they would have put an exhibition game on it next weekend for just to keep the rhythm going because it's weird to have to ramp up for this series and then sort of hit another bye week until you really hit the the ground running on the second half of the NCAC schedule at Denver on the 12th. But uh, you can only play with the schedule that's in front of you, I suppose. Yeah, so this Bemidji team, as you'd mentioned, you know, we're kind of used to them playing some, you know, stifling, trappy kind of play. I think they've got away from that a little bit in years, in in recent years. Not to say that they're uh, an offensive juggernaut, but you look at some of their results this year, six to four win against Michigan Tech, where they were down four nothing in that game. Uh, seven to six win at Mankato, which was, you know, they had to come back from, I think, three goals down on that one. You know, beating Lake Superior seven to one. Uh, you know, they also lost to Lake State six to one. So, I mean, that <laughs> was in the same weekend. So you get the highs and you get the lows. <laughs> The, uh, Tom Seratori experience, but uh, yeah, that top score for them, Leighton Road. Uh, get used to that last name. Uh, his brother Nolan <laughs> is uh, in the pipeline for the Huskies uh, at uh, White Bear Lake, or played a little bit at uh, at juniors this year too. I believe he's still at White Bear. He's eighteen, so I think he's he's finishing up his senior year. So maybe not next year, but perhaps the year after, if he gets like a full year of juniors under his belt. Seems like a pretty good prospect. And uh, Leighton seems to be Bemidji's best scorer. Uh, they've also got a defenseman, Kyle Luft, tied for the team lead in points with 18 with Rhodes. So that's two point-per-game players for them. Uh, again, some of these games are against, a lot of the games are against CCHA uh, competition. So not the best uh, um, uh, competition that they've been playing, but still they've got some, got some guys who can, who can score. Uh, yeah, I think it is a bit of a break that they're missing pole camp. Like if, if it's between Bemidji missing one of its better more skilled players and the Huskies losing their coach, I, I might, I might say I, I'd rather have yeah, the coach not there than, than a, a good player. But, uh, and so we'll see. I mean, Shyacks, this is where he gets paid here, you know, uh, stepping up into the, to the head coaching position here uh, in an interim basis sure Brett's going to be calling him uh, after those games in Sweden and uh, he's going to be nitpicking. 
checking yep, in. Yep, exactly. He's going to be he's watching on Flow Sports. Um, yeah, Nolan, um, Nolan Road, uh, like you said, White Bear Lake, he actually played the first part of the season at, uh, in the USHL. Right. And then, uh, but he's back Trump. now with his, his but, high school team, but he's back. So, I mean, you know, we can go into the debate what's best for development and whatnot and, and things along those lines. But, you know, to see a player, you know, USHL, you know, have 13 points in 16 games and then go back to high school. That's like, that's like not even fair. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know White Bear Lake are like perennial chokers anyway, but, um, so, so they'll find a way to like fumble it. And it, but at the same time, I mean, <laughs> Nolan has 14 goals in nine games so far, 19 points in nine games, um, you know, for White, at White Bear. So, I mean, he's, and he'll probably yeah. go back to juniors after the high school season's done after they choke. Um, <laughs> he'll probably return to the USHL and then, you know, probably play a full year of USHL next year. Uh, seems to be the plan. It's kind of like what, uh, what's, what's his name from Andover Thorson. That's what he did last year. He kind of straddled yep. his high school season with USHL stints. So mm-hmm. it seems to be something that's kind of so. normal nowadays. Yep. Um, yeah. And I'm not going to pick a side on best for development. And I know like USHL, um, I know like high school, Minnesota high school hockey, and I know they have their, uh, their thoughts and whatnot, et cetera, et cetera. We're not, I'm not going to go into any of that, but um, what I will say um, is that it's, you know, having a prospect like that, you know, obviously I'm, I'm really excited about, and I'm happy that you brought that up and I didn't, you know, make the connection uh, that they were brothers, which I definitely should have with the last name and how it's spelled. So thank you for that. I think it's, um, I think it's pronounced road. It might be Reed for all I, for all I know, but I, I believe it's road. That's what I'm going with at yeah. least. Well, well, uh, Alex will uh, double check that for us. I think there, uh, that's right. Yep, so um, I went back um, to Bob's years um, when he was at world juniors and why I'm a little bit, you know, I guess, you know, messed up when it comes to it. Um, the, uh, like the desert hockey classic um, was in the 2016, 2017 season. And the first game we lost to UConn. UConn. Yeah, there you go. Tage Thompson was on that team. I remember watching that game. Yep. They struggled to beat uh, ASU the next game. That was the year, the other mm-hmm. game, it would have been, Brown, your favorite team, you Brown. Go. I think Brown. it was a nine to eight game in the first in that first round game with them and uh, ASU. If you can, what? If you can look How that many? up, they've scored nine times, nine, 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 nine times in that game, so. and only won by one. So, uh, yeah, I remember that. That one was. Up. I'm actually oh. going to the Desert Hockey Classic uh, next week. Ooh. That one. That one was up in Prescott. Arizona, which is like that was, up, yep. up in like the Flagstaff, Northern Arizona area. Now it's obviously on the on the mullet on the ASU campus, but uh, that one I think was the only time they had it up there, which was weird. But yeah, that was certainly a weekend that they were not they were out of sorts, uh, and certainly probably could have uh, could have used their coach uh, uh, <laughs> on that on that weekend. Yeah. So you said nine, uh, yeah, it was eight to eight. 
Um, and then, yeah, it must have been uh, a shootout or something along those lines as to why they does were it able say, to advance. Does it say 8-8 eight to eight final? It says 8-8 eight eight final. It must have been a, a shootout just for whoever advanced to the title yeah. game. And I think Braun won it. Like, St. Cloud was in these tournaments. I think there was that one in Robert Morris, maybe in Larson's first year, that Braun won that one, too. That was the year that St. Cloud got kicked, got their ass kicked by Union randomly yep. i think brown won that tournament too it's just like brown has these random like we're gonna play really good in a random holiday tournament and then not play well at all for the remainder <laughs> of the year and well Cloud's that's what been, that one uh us show voter keeps saying in their head on is like God, that mid-holiday got, tournament they've they, got that uh that cup got that. from the uh, from the from the desert hockey classic and they're like see this is see? this is the future there you go um, and then the next year when Moscow went, uh, it was a series against Princeton, uh, where, oh, sure. uh, where it was two yeah, that ties. Was not good either. Yeah. Yeah. So I remembered what, like, I remembered that I was scorned, but I couldn't remember why. And now it's like, oh yes, that's right. And because... if we're talking about Larson's Olympic, uh, tenure, which I think, it wasn't just one. Yeah, that was like a couple of weeks. I remember the first weekend, I think, that he was gone. They got swept at Denver. Huskies did. That was the, one of the games. They had a 3 nothing lead that they coughed up. Mm-hmm. So they got swept in that series. I think that have also been the uh, those two Tuesday games they played with Duluth because of COVID rescheduling. I think Shayek would have been behind the bench for both of those, too. And those might have been ties and, like, overtime or shoot-up results. Yeah, like now that you're saying it, I... Check the uh, 1920. Like, when would they, would that have been the Marichi Classic? That Okabe had four goals against Mankato? Yeah. That was World Juniors, so that he wouldn't have been there for that. So that would have been like, as we're just recounting it off the fly here, been like the only time they've won a regulation game without their coach. Well, when their head coach is out at the at the World Juniors. Hey, and Okabe scored his first of the year that weekend against Mankato. Um, that was his first goal. Like, so he scored four goals in that game. But those are yeah. his first four goals. Exactly. Would have been his first four goals of his career then. Yep. So maybe, yeah, maybe uh, Larson's departure will will spark Okabe. Again. Well, will will spark Okabe. Here we go. Now I now I'm optimistic again. So everything kind of comes back around. Yeah. So another thing for Bemidji too, uh, looking at their goaltending situations. You know, another thing that we think about Bemidji. At least they're going to have a tough goalie. Uh, not so much this year. I mean, uh-uh. Matias Matias Scholl has been back. He he was played the Bowling Green games. Both wins for them two weeks ago and that was his first action since uh, October there was an injury there that knocked him out and that forced them to play this Gavin Enright who the Huskies have seen at least last year he played decent against the Huskies but he was pretty terrible put up an 862 save percentage uh, as the main starter really the every game starter for them after Scholl got hurt in late October that's got to be one of the worst save percentages in in all of college hockey and so I would expect to see Scholl in the net at least on Friday, if not both nights, just based on Enright's struggles this year. So, yeah, maybe catching a bit of a bad break there that you're catching uh, them uh, with their better goalie healthy now. But uh, but keep an eye out for that, too. And from what we were gathering in the Omaha, the last Omaha game that Posh played, that perhaps there was a bit of an injury concern. 
with uh, with Bassey, but according to your reports that with Reiner is looking like he's he's going to be back here, that the whole team, knock on wood, was healthy. So I would assume that includes mm-hmm. Bassey. And with the with the game in between, the day off in between, I would expect him to be able to play both of these games. Uh, yeah, sort of be surprised if he doesn't. So uh, yeah, now interesting to see what shakes out uh, in the battle of the goaltenders this weekend, but. Yeah, it's not going to be easy, as I said. Uh, you got to take Bemidji seriously, but I think this is a team you have the skill advantage on and played a lot of the same opponents this year. And so uh, lots of common opponents between these two these two teams. Yep. And uh, which is, as you said, but the Huskies struggle in non-conference. You really can't afford. You're, you're, you're already needing to play catch-up because of the, what, 2-5-1 and one mark? Some of those with you know overtime losses mixed in there, you're still kind of needing to play catch up because of the hole you dug there. You don't want to further that digging of the hole by taking any less than two regulation wins this weekend. So that's what I'm hoping for. Um, two two full W's. Uh, let's hope to see it. Yep, exactly. Um... And just kind of as a reminder, uh, check your local listings um, for the for the time because the time did change for the Sunday game. Uh, the Sunday game is at four o'clock, and I know CHN still has it listed at six o'clock. Your tickets probably still have it listed at six o'clock, but it's uh, it's uh, four, four p.m. Start. Central four, okay. four p.m. Central for the for the Sunday game. That means it's three o'clock my time. That's thank you for that because I I probably would have taken. CHN's word for it. What does it say for the Friday game? Is that still seven central? Yeah. And then I think, we think that that's, that's correct. Yes. Um, I, I think, I think SCSU wanted to change it um, because of the new year's and the festivities for it being new year's Eve, you know, a game early. Plus you got um, the day off before. It's not like you're playing, you know, a, a quick exactly. turnaround the next game. So yeah, probably a smart idea. So, so, um, which kind of a bummer um, for my idea, which is um, having it uh, played at, you know, 10 o'clock um, and then having like an overnight type game. So then like, instead of like 50 more minutes till the liquor store closes, you can have a, a, a cheer like that, but for, you know, till 2023 closes or something like that. Um, they didn't, uh, they didn't take my offer though. So we need to get some of this more creative scheduling. Um, you know, we, we yeah. talked about the, the black Friday weekend. You know, I hadn't scheduled a game there in years. Maybe they need to do like the midnight mass I, type of uh, scheduling here. Try it out. Like think of, uh, just think of the booze sales, uh, new year's at the herb, like watching a hockey game. I don't know what could be better. Right? No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Why, why, why be 10 o'clock? Just do it at midnight. Started at midnight. Started at midnight? Oh, no, I got to get to bed. I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, you got to, yeah, don't. They should start yeah, a game, start a game and at 2 a.m. on the day that daylight savings time is, then everybody <laughs> would be confused. Well, what does that mean? Is it 1 o'clock, 1 a.m. or yeah, 2 a.m.? Right? And no one would know. That That would be the best idea. It'll be like uh, going back in time when you have to try to write down the time of uh, of uh, when goals were scored, and you have to. 
that would have actually have to be like the the minute hour and minute of the clock you could you could have somebody score like make it two to one and then all of a sudden the equalizer to make it two to two was scored on paper like 45 minutes earlier or something like that because of the time change i like it that feels like jason bryant would uh have a little bit of a a conniption if that that were to happen well nietzsche says out of order comes chaos so right no out of chaos comes order i don't i don't remember which one One of those one of those one of those two so so um so uh that's the men women are off um for a while they're off until the 12th um and then they do have an exhibition game um probably just kind of a shake the shake the nerves um uh you know shake the rust off the blades type of a a game um i am going to stay on my free delmonico bandwagon um but i don't think that that's going to happen uh throughout the season so a little bit bummed but uh there's always red shirt freshman year i guess is 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 an option um but uh, I did ask McHatton um, if there's an update status for Grace Wolf, who is um, confirmed to be out for the year. So a few uh, you know, weeks ago when I said she was on crutches but putting weight on it, and so hopefully she'll be back shortly. Not going to be the case. So um, that leaves a big hole there on defense that Himmlerova is going to stay back there. Um, I don't think there's any kind of way around it, um, which – is kind of a bummer. I, I I like her skills a little bit more up front, but um, you know, nothing, you know, she's been admiral on the back end and she'll just um, have to keep doing that here as, as, as the season goes on. So did he confirm um, that for sure that Pamela Rowe was going to stay back at D for the rest of the Not year? that, not that part. Uh, that's just my guess. I mean, I would uh, probably guess that as well. I've, I put it out there. Uh, the last pod, one of the last podcasts that I prefer to bring her back up to forward. I feel like you have enough depth at defense. It's not a, it's not a position of great need. It's in terms of like, we need to shift her back to defense, but Occam's razor. I'm going to probably agree that I would expect uh Himmlerova to stay at the point for the remainder of the year. I wonder if you can get speaking of red shirts um, for your favorite player, I wonder if you can get a red shirt for Grace Wolf. I mean, she only played 11 games this year. I'm not sure what the cutoff is. Like, what did Drew LeBlanc play before he broke oh, his leg? Probably right around that 10 or 12. I think you can – I mean, she is just a junior this year, so she's got another year anyway. But mm-hmm. I think in these cases you can, like, um, apply or, you know, write a letter for good cause <laughs> uh, to see if you can get an extra year. To um, whom it may concern – Please let me have another year of eligibility. Good work. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise. I, I don't know. It's a bit, it's a big loss. Cause I think she was like peaking at that weekend. Like it was her, it was your pal. Yeah. It was my pal. Her and then... last weekend. And we haven't seen her since. So, so th- like the new Madden curse is the weldy pal. It's the pal curse. Uh, yeah, exactly. So what can you say? Uh, Drew played 10 games. Okay. Um, so yeah, well, kind she's of right there, right at 11, right around, right, right around that area. So, so we'll, we'll see if that's the route they want to go or if she's able to go that way. But, um, like I said, big, um, 
big kind of hole there because I really liked her game and how she was progressing. And, you know, the next uh, couple of weekends are really big in terms of getting points uh, for for the Huskies. So, but we'll preview those um, when the time comes to it. Some. Yeah, they're even they're more off than the Huskies are. They don't even play any games. I mean, they play an exhibition game on the on January six against St. Thomas. That was like a recently added game mm-hmm. to the schedule. A good little idea, I think, to get a tune up being off for more than a month in their case uh, before they uh, get back to action against Mankato on the twelfth. But even I was looking at like the. Uh, I mean, we got a fair amount of tournaments on the men's side this this weekend and next. And then also on the women's side, there's a couple of tournaments, not as many. They just don't have, I was looking at the the next two weeks of non-conference. There was like no real games of intrigue on the women's side. Like Quinnipiac and LIU is like the most marquee non-conference matchup. Anytime you're talking about two teams out East, like none of them are going to be marquee. Let's face it. I mean, we should say so. the fifth and the sixth, you got two great ECAC I guess it's like four great teams out there because you got, you got Cornell versus uh, Clarkson, and then you got St. St. Lawrence against Colgate, and then you flip flop it the next game. Those are all the top ten teams. So if you want to even kind of think of that as like a tournament, quasi tournament against you know two games against uh, top ten opponents, and you'll get the first Colgate Clarkson game of the year, uh, which I think is they were the two best teams in that league. So in terms of league play. That's coming up, not this weekend, but next. But other than that, like even that Duluth and Quinnipiac series, which is kind of an intriguing non-conference matchup, that wasn't until uh, the 12th and 13th that weekend. So a little bit of a wait for some for some good non-conference action on the women's side. But as you said, it's it's less uh, intriguing, uh, the non-conference matchups on the women's side. It's because of the dominance of the uh, – we just have to have a good ECAC uh, WCHA matchup for that to happen. Everything else is yeah. – kind of ho-hum exactly um but there was a little bit of a a holiday news dump uh that the nchc kind of pulled out um and that is the uh end of an era uh for the for the nchc frozen face-off has been announced Um, we got two more years at the xl energy center and then starting in the uh in 2026 uh it will be um on-campus sites. Um, so how the format is going to work out is 9 and 8, um, with the addition, obviously, of Arizona State, will play each other uh, at the number one seed rink on Tuesday, I believe. Tuesday or Wednesday, one of those two, prior to yeah. the first weekend of the uh, prior- quarterfinals. Yeah. Uh, quarterfinals, uh, is going to be the same best of three. Um, and then the next weekend it will be at the higher seed, um, just a one game series. Games. Um, and then obviously the winner of those two games will, uh, face off at again, the higher seed. Um, so as you know, everything that kind of goes into the frozen face off postseason tournament and neutral sites, um, we were the last of the West, um, and the last of the West has fallen when it comes to it. Kind of when you heard the news, kind of what was your reaction? A little bit surprising, but not 
not terribly, not shocked or anything like that. Um, I, I thought that last year's tournament, you know, with the, especially the, the championship game there, uh, drawing such a low crowd and yeah, North Dakota looks pretty decent this year, but we've seen in past North Dakota is no longer a lock to make it every year. There's been some, some tournaments that they haven't made and depending on their fan base isn't as uh, automatic maybe as it was at, certainly in the WCHA final five days, um, but also in the, in the NCHC era as well. And it's just, um, it seems less and less, it's, it's all, it's, it seems like more and more an old fashioned idea to keep this thing going at, at the X or any sort of neutral site for, for this conference. It is a shame. I, I think it's, it would be best in ideal times, and we've seen how good a neutral site tournament can be in that area of the country. Uh, and so I, I, it is, we can, we can pine about the days of 2007, 2006, whatever the heart of the, whatever you want to peg the, uh, the peak of the WCHA final five. Um, but just, I don't feel like those days are ever coming back. So, uh, we we have been i think i don't know when it comes to like the ncaa tournament we're all about campus sites and so i feel like it is in that regard you're gonna you're you're trying for the best atmosphere it's 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 become more and more of a struggle to generate a peak atmosphere at the x when you're even in, in good years you're Drawing what twelve or thirteen thousand, which is two thirds full, if that, a little bit over half full. So I don't know. It seems like they're they're going for uh, they're going to go for uh, atmosphere and attendance. And I'm sure the I mean the the conference is is still going to get a cut. I mean, like for the quarterfinal games, those tickets that you buy for a Saint Cloud home series in the playoffs, that all goes to the conference. Right. And I would assume that that's going to be the same case when they're expanding the the campus site aspect of the tournament from just the quarterfinals to the semis and to the uh, championship game. I mean, obviously, the home team can get their concessions and whatever else, whatever revenue they can generate in the building. But the actual ticket sales will go to the conference itself. And then that's split up throughout the uh, the colleges. Can they make as much or more in that model than they were at the X probably. So, I mean, it might just be as simple as economically. This is a more feasible model for the, for the conference because you're not able to sell 20,000 seats per game as you once did way back when the NCHC wasn't able, ever able to do that uh, as a conference, but the WCHA did. And that sort of dream slowly died over the last 10 years, I suppose. I'm not really the one to ask, though, because you're the real uh, frozen face-off stand on this show because that was a yearly event and outing for you. So that let was. me know what what yeah. what is your what's your take on this? Um, I mean, the main thing was it's it's disappointing but not surprising. Um, and you know, you you talk a lot about that those factors, and you know, just from a, a just a bottom line aspect you know just the cost of renting out the facility you know and and the staffing and all of that 
it just um you know college hockey has drastically changed um in, in that in that in that sense and the it just wasn't really feasible um i did hope that it would grow um and i think the nchc probably just kind of saw their writings on the wall when it came to it just that it wasn't it 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 we didn't have the trajectory to kind of sustain it with with the price of probably um you know what it would be to kind of rent it out for for that weekend so yeah it's it's unfortunate my my dad and i have gone um nearly every year since 2000 we only missed when it was in grand forks and obviously due to covid um so it's yeah it's a little bit of a bittersweet um for me you know people you know especially in minnesota you know had father-son bonding trips and usually they've involved hunting trips or things along those lines but you know for my dad and i it was this this trip um, that he got, you know, for me when I was like a what sophomore in high school. Um, and you know, that was kind of a bad time for me in gen. Like, I don't think any male really likes early high school. I think just trying to find a place, like, it's just awkward. Um, but it, it you know, it's, it's something that uh, I've looked forward to ever since. And yeah, it's sad that it's, that it's going, that, it, that it's going to go by the wayside so um you know so it's but it but it makes sense i I didn't see the growth Uh, they probably saw the numbers and were like we we can't do it i don't know if i care for um heather weems talk about how you know she had a quote in there about the health of the players and i'm like yeah it's a little bit of stress just say it's about money like we all know it's about money and that's fine um what but what about the turn what what about the health of i I missed that what was the argument it was i am i can pull it up the actual statement from the nchc um but yeah there was a quote from um heather weems that it was about how i'm dying to hear this yeah as you look that up because one of the practical effects of this uh will be i mean aside from the who's hosting and the revenue the money aspect of it one sort of tangible aspect from a coaching or team side is that there's there's one additional week of this tournament so it goes from a two-week tournament where you're playing the quarterfinals one weekend the best of three series and then the following weekend you're playing the final four teams in one neutral site and you're doing this the semifinals uh, followed by the finals back-to-back nights now you're sort of splitting up the semifinals and the finals over two weeks so as a result they mentioned in their press release that i read that they were starting the regular season one week earlier so they're going to start conference games in in the late part of october and i wonder if they're going to move up the second half too because like this week this year they're starting the second half on the 12th and 13th of january maybe move it up a week um Next year, it might result in one fewer bye week, which coaches will complain about um, if they are given the opportunity to complain. So that's one practical result. Did you find that quote from uh, from Kamish? All right. So um, the NCHC frozen phase. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, 
Quote, the NCHC Frozen Faceoff was introduced shortly after the inception of the conference as a designated tournament in the Twin Cities. As the development, as the membership discussed the future of the NCHC in an increasingly competitive NCAA Division I environment, the rest and recovery available to our student athletes in the final weeks of the season became of paramount importance. The expansion of the three-week playoff immediately preceding NCAA regional play maintains the competitiveness of our Frozen Faceoff Championship while providing our teams with a better schedule for travel and rest. So the argument would be instead of playing two games in a weekend at the Frozen Faceoff, then splitting it up between the semifinal one week, one game, one weekend, and the final game the following weekend. I guess if you lose the semifinals, that gives you an extra week of rest. I could see I, co- I could see coaches being like, "Right, yeah." <laughs> but then you get into the mean, whole rest and rust thing. Like, what's better for you to be to be well rested, or then that means you're rusty? So you can have it both ways. That's that's why, like, looking at that quote, I'm like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Maybe I'll ask her at the next uh, student board meeting for District 742. I can say, hey, <laughs> what do you mean by this quote? This is weird. But um, I don't know. That's, I mean, the reason that they gave. And it's like, you can just say it's about money. It's fine. Like, it, it just, we all know it. Yeah, money or, like, logistics. You know, it could have been or that the, the, yeah. It could have been that the XL says we don't want you. It might have, it might yeah, not have been true. like their choice. I wonder too, like because the first what five six years of this was at the Target Center. If you feel would it have been would it have played out any differently? I'm guessing no. But would it have been any different if they would have just stuck with the X from year one? Which I'm not even sure if they had a choice there because I know Big Ten they no, were they flipping off with with yeah. Joe with Joe Lewis at this. They only did that two or three years before they threw in the white flag but uh flipping off <laughs> was the was the target center experience was was that did that derail the momentum at all or was this kind of doomed from the start i i feel like this was just doomed from the start just i mean just you know going and whatnot and it, it was i don't know it was still an incredibly fun weekend and i still have a lot of memories from it obviously but you know i just thought it would take off maybe a little bit more and it just it just hasn't um and you know and now we get into this whole i don't don't know about this whole playoff scenario i don't know the point then of having a three-game quarterfinal like i don't understand that aspect of it if that's the only time if we're going to campus sites anyway i don't know it just what are you saying like do a do a best of three for the semis as well or not do best of threes for the quarters like just do one and done's there i guess either either one like i don't know it's just it's just so weird it's like to have one full series in the mix and then well, yeah, if That's you're it. if you're really uh, striving for the health and well-being argument, yeah, then, uh, best of three probably would go by the way. You, you're not going to have an you're not going to add a best of three for the semis if we're talking about wrapping the uh, players in bubble wrap. So I would doubt that's going to happen. But I, I I love the series. If it was up to me, I'd play the uh, the final. It'd be like a best of five if it was up to me. But that ain't going to happen. Uh, so. I guess we'll uh, we'll have to be happy with what they have here. Um, and, and two, I don't know if we 
because I remember we had a whole show in the off season about when Arizona State came in and speculating about how the playoffs would alter. And I, I kind of correctly nailed how they would do the have an eight nine playoff. I didn't nail the fact that they would do the eight nine game in a in the sight of the one seed, which is what they're going to do next year when they still have the X as the final culmination of the tournament. But they're going to continue that eight nine game at the one seed. Uh, for the years that it is going to be all campus sites. Again, I don't know if we actually touched on it in the, in the podcast, but do you like that idea of playing that at the one seed, or would you prefer that to be at one of the two, you know, like the eighth, the eighth seed would host the ninth seed or what do you, what do you like? Uh, do, do you like that I, setup? I mean, I don't overall, but I bet there's some sort of reason for it. Some sort of travel thing. Now, it's the same amount of flights, no matter which way you kind of slice it. Um, if, if there are flights involved, obviously, I mean, you know, Minnesota Duluth, the way that they're trending might have to, you know, you know, drive to St. Cloud when we're number one next year, um, whereas Miami would have to fly, you know, hypothetically speaking. Um, and whereas, but I bet it, it has more to do with you know, when that game is played and then rushing to get there. Like, I don't, I, I don't the benefit like, of whoever wins that game can just hang around until that weekend. They don't have to yeah. travel on short notice. I think that's the main reason that you also get a benefit. If you're the one seed, you get a little extra revenue and it's kind of like a little bonus for winning the Penrose because I don't think you're going to get a sellout in these eight, nine games of if it's at North yeah. Dakota, for instance, but you know, you get a opportunity to get a couple thousand fans in in the game for the toilet bowl. Um, you know, that's extra revenue that you weren't planning on earlier in the year. It's not in your budget. So I don't think that those teams will will decline the opportunity to open their doors for some more revenue. So you get a little extra extra bonus that way. I don't mind it for an odd number of teams. It'll it'll suffice until they get a tenth team, I suppose. Then we're gonna have to I don't know what they would do then. Like, uh, I guess we can cross that bridge when they get to it, if they do. But um, if you get to 10, then I, I, I don't know how you're going to do a three-round, three-weekend tournament after that. But again, it's all speculation at this point. But <clears throat> yeah, it was about time that this would, that this is going to happen, unfortunately. And yeah, as you said, just the uh, just the two now neutral site conference tournaments and both on the East Coast with the ECAC and, and Hockey East with Atlantic hockey moving to campus sites a couple of years ago, maybe just this last year might've been their first time doing it, but um, you know, and hockey East and ECAC, I mean, ECAC was completely untouched by the, uh, the realignment um, kind of dust up that happened 10 years ago, which resulted in the formation of the NCHC and the big 10. And then the WCHA slash ECHA, the ECAC didn't lose anybody, didn't gain anybody. Uh, Hockey East's really only effect was they added Notre Dame for a couple of years. And so those, the, they could look at their uh, neutral site tournament and say, see, you know, it works. But they have the benefit of having a bunch of teams in a centralized location. You're not spread out like the NCHC is. And they've, yeah. they've had the benefit too of not having any jolt in their conference membership. Which, yeah, I've, it just it's, it is one of many what, it, what ifs, but what if the old WCHA was still 
still alive, would we still be, would it still be at the X? Would it still be getting 17,000 per game? It's, it's hard to know. It's, that's a hypothetical that we can't really test uh, in a real world example. We'd like to think that that would be the same, but you know, I think the nature of uh, spectator sports has changed. I, I, I would imagine if you look at the hockey's tournament, I bet you their attendance isn't as it's fallen from whatever their peak was. So, but obviously it's still uh, feasible enough for them to continue on with their neutral site where the play where the Bruins play for the, for hockey East, they play in Lake Placid for ECAC. So it's obviously working there, but ECAC it's on a smaller scale with the hockey East. It's much more concentrated market and, one that's hasn't been affected as much by the realignment um, activity. So kind of an apples, apples, oranges to say that they are able to do this where the NCHC decided to fold up shop with their neutral site uh, tournament. But in any case, end of an era, it's, it is sad to see, but uh, I guess this is how it's, it's going. And I'd rather, yeah, I would rather play a title game. Like if we're thinking about last year, um, you know, I would rather play a title game situation in a in a building that's at least got some, you know, a home ice advantage rather than, you know, a building that was what, a quarter full, if that, for that title game last year. Um, you know, yeah. with so much on the line, you'd like to play. I, I bet CC would like to have played in a, you know, I can't even say that St. Cloud would have sold that game out, you know, because that's... they don't really sell games out. Period. That's kind of what I was worried about too when I was thinking about, um, you know, moving to campus. So I was like, yeah, you want to be in front of a packed arena. I was like, God, I hope the herb would be packed for that, but I can't even confidently say that it would be. Well, and as I mean, when I don't know if it's different now, I would assume it's not, but. Back when I was a season ticket holder, the uh, you'd get those first round games as part of your season ticket package. But mm-hmm. for that was like the one weekend that students would have to pay. Like when I, yeah. when we were students, we would have to pay to get into the the playoff games, WCHA first round. Whereas mm-hmm. everything else you could pay because, because that money went straight to the conference. You weren't that wasn't money that was put up by the university. So I don't know if what's going to change. If you're a season ticket holder, do you get? potentially all the playoff games if St. Cloud were to host, you know, be the number one seed and they were to go and, and host the title game, would that be included in season ticket packages? And then also if you're not a season ticket holder, like, or if, like if you're a student would those playoff games beyond the first round, would those also be out of pocket expenses? Because yeah. that's why you look at last couple of years in particular, St. Cloud has hosted these playoff games. You know, their regular season average would be around 4,000, which is, you know, a dip from its glory days, but the playoff games would maybe be 2,500 because you're not getting as many students in and, and, and whatnot. So yeah, their, their playoffs uh, attendance has been worse than regular season. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they're going to address an easier way. Maybe you buy like a flat rate for all the playoff games. I, I don't know if that's, realistic but um that is one thing that because i think in a lot of people's minds is think north dakota okay yeah because they did that the covid year where north dakota um hosted it all and said like yeah that 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 makes sense like because north dakota will sell out all the games but yeah st cloud's not like they're a, a for sure draw on playoffs and really anybody else in the conference uh based on the pricing structure of where the money goes for these ticket sales um I don't think it's a, a 
sure bet that you're going to have a packed house. But I, again, I'd rather have 3,000 at the Herb than 5,000 at the X for a title game. I'll say that. Yeah. So be improvement there. But uh, certainly I don't think this is a move to, you know, like the Gopher and uh, Michigan title games the last couple of years. Those have been really packed houses and great atmospheres. I'm not sure if we're going to exactly transition smoothly into that, but I guess we can hope. Yeah, exactly. And I'd like to hope the also the community does go ahead and turn out for it. But I mean, if we get to a point where it's, you know, St. Cloud is hosting against North Dakota, I mean, you know that there'll be a lot of green also in the stands. So, or if you got to go go out to Denver, like who's going to make that trip on a week's notice? Yeah, and from, a, from, a Saint, well. from a Saint Cloud fan. Well, I'm saying like okay, Saint yeah. Cloud plays out there. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, some of those it'd be great. Like you play North Dakota or you play Duluth or something like that. Like at least you're going to be close. But some of these might be uh, more difficult for Saint Cloud fans mm-hmm. to to travel to. Um, but you know when I was talking, you know, to my dad about this, and you know he did float at the idea. I mean if. If uh, if Sioux Falls and Fargo keep rotating NCAA regionals, um, you know maybe maybe that's on the docket uh, to to spend uh, a couple days in in Fargo and Sioux Falls. Uh, you know, might not so are be you, the are you going to do but... are you going to do the the last two years of the X? Oh yeah, okay, yeah, and because I think Sioux Falls got has a regional this year, Fargo's got it next year. Mm-hmm. And then I think again, it's Sioux Falls and then Fargo. I believe the two years so. after that. So maybe that they've announced be, it that far, right? I, at least out to twenty six or twenty seven. Maybe they haven't. I know Sioux Falls has two coming up, so it might it might just be two thousand twenty six. I think is what they're out to. I was reading an article about that. I don't know where, but they said they're going to announce the next batch of regionals. If not, uh, like by the tournament time this year, or maybe early in the season next year, like somewhat soon, like within the next year. I always like to. That's always intriguing when I find out who the new, who the new the test name. market is. Like this year, we got Maryland Heights, uh, Missouri. Uh, no, what the? I'd rather have one of those than uh, another three years of Allentown. Um, of Allentown. Or, you know, I guess Fargo's fine because it's somewhat close to. St. Cloud, but um, I would expect them to continue on because they've at least had some decent attendance there. But it's always nice to see who they who they got, and maybe maybe Sioux Falls will be a regular if they if they have a good showing uh, this year. Yeah, we shall see. You never know, uh, Providence in Providence, or if uh, that's if this the Midwest. Year. It's this year. If if the Midwest Regional is going to be in in. Uh... Oh, you said Allentown or Allentown. Yeah, will it will it be in the central time zone? That's that's yes. not been a hundred percent certainty the last few years. Which I know I'm kind of springing you this on you, but I don't know if you saw uh, Steve Medcalf's uh, comments, uh, Hockey East Commissioner, talking to the Boston Globe about uh, about regionals, um, and basically give that give that sound bite to me. Um, uh, let's see. What did he say? 
Um, just talking about, you know, regionals, because people are talking again about, you know, bringing regionals on campus. And, you know, we've talked about that also on uh, on before. I am more of a fan of just getting rid of regionals in general. Um, bringing them on campus isn't going to magically, like, like be your golden ticket to a lot of sales. So, um, but, uh Again, Steve Metcalf is the Hockey East Commissioner um, since 2020. Um, He said, I think the vast majority of coaches prefer the current model because of the neutrality that it provides, which it doesn't, uh, you know, first and foremost. Um, And also, if you pay to host a regional, I mean, that's where you're placed no matter what, even if you're the four seed. So, um. You're not having a home ice advantage, and they think that's important. So he's obviously, you know, he's a commissioner. He's going to go bat for the coaches. That that makes sense. Is he just talking um, about I, hockey hockey East coaches? Because I feel like is that really true? Or most coaches? Because I, I feel like I've heard more and more coaches be vocal about returning to campus sites for NCAA. Like in the last I, couple of years, I it doesn't say in the article, or he didn't even elaborate because he just said a vast majority of coaches. So we can take that for what it is. I think that I mean they, they, they like the idea of neutrality, but as you mentioned in practice, how it's become is there's never really a true neutral venue. No, because I mean there can be with like the the Maryland Heights is probably going to be the closest thing to it because we know Lindenwood's not going to make it. And there was really no one even very close to the, like even Fargo, you could say like there was enough teams and how the Fargo regional worked out last year. You had enough close teams to go there. Yeah. I, I don't know. That was somewhat quasi neutral, but yeah, the Providence regionals in Providence or Penn state when they get to host in, in Allentown. Yes. It's not their home arena, but um, they are the host regional and they're obviously the closest thing there. And so are, are those truly neutral? I don't really think they are. So, and the ones that have the best atmosphere are the ones where a host team is involved and you get I have situations like St. Cloud playing North Dakota in Fargo for a trip to the frozen four, and, you know, it's 95% green in that building. Is that truly neutral? I, I don't think so, but I don't know. Uh, Metcalf is not, um, sure that it would be reasonable ask adding that there'll be added expense to teams and officiating crews traveling to single games on separate weekends, not to mention fans who have attended conference championships and have bought tickets to the frozen four. Um, that second point is obviously negated anyway, by the fact of what we have anyway. Um, it's the, that's the same argument. So, you know, and, and and he's saying single games for these regionals. That's where I would say that first round at least should be best two out of three. So you can bring the <laughs> officials and all that. Give them for two games plus maybe three games, not just for a single game. Make a whole weekend out of it. I think the impetus is not on just the NCAA, but it's on all college hockey to make sure we get some good regional sites. And my understanding <laughs> is that some regional sites that are from the Western part of the country that will be in the mix next time that will help. Oh, so it's like, so. A, you didn't bid. He's like, you know, random people on Twitter make that same argument every year. Just put in a bid. 
what are you complaining yeah. about? Three Eastern teams getting uh, three of the four regionals. Just put in a bid. Nobody puts in a bid. Yeah, but have you seen the have you seen the attendance of these things? Who wants to lose money for a weekend? That's that's what you're really asking them. Just just lose money, take a bath, and then you then at least you can get back to Steve Metcalf and say, "But we put in a bid." Is what this a good enough? Re- is this an what did he say? An attractive Western regional host? I don't know what exactly his verbiage was, but uh, kind of blaming the victim there. It'd be nice to be able mm. to be on the East Coast and have your biggest uh, have your biggest uh, travel series for the year, meaning you go two hundred miles in one direction and never have to jump on a plane all year long. It'd be nice, but I digress. I'll look. A look at future sites demonstrates more balanced locations with Maryland Heights and Sioux Falls hosting, along with Springfield and Providence. Fargo and Toledo um, on tap for 2025. Sioux Falls and Loveland are in the rotation for 2026. Bids are being accepted for 27 and 28. So. See where those 27 and 28 sites are. I I can't wait. (laughs) So, I don't know. Like. Again, like my whole thing and what I like, the only real downside I could possibly see is just ESPN broadcasting these games. Um, If we do it, you know, kind of my way of just higher seed hosts, um, strict back at integrity just because it's easiest and then just kind of go that way with it. You know, having eight camera crews in different spots, you know, maybe there's a way, you know, you can stagger the games enough where you can have, you know, crews and announcers to kind of be able to to go. But I think you still have enough talent to, you know, to go ahead and um, have all those games. Um, yeah. You, with you a can, crew. So. You can use freelancers. You can, I mean, ESPN's got to, they got to put a camera crew and a, a color commentator and a play-by-play guy for all these ECAC men's and women's games and hockey East games. Uh, you can get Jim Rich. You know, Jim Rich is, is available if you need him. Like, uh, <laughs> I think you can find four more crews. If, if that's I would, the I would love, I would love Jim Rich, Gino Parrish covering a, let's go with a Denver, um, mass Lowell game. There you go. <laughs> I was gonna say brown, get brown in there. Yeah. I think they would they would have fun so, with that. So. so, as long as you give them the exactly. sheet with the explaining overtime, I think they'd, ah. be, they'd be golden. Well, that's easy. That that's a lot easier. It's a lot easier I mean, in NCAA in time, NCAA yes, in tournament yep, time exactly. Yeah. So, but um, anyway, I just thought those comments were kind of interesting. Again, it's like he didn't offer any type of solutions. He's like, nope, we're gonna stick with this. And again, his comments about vast majority of coaches when, like you said, I feel like a lot more coaches now are saying, uh, we got to do something to change this. Cause you know, in front of 2000 people, um, you know, or what looks like 200 people, um, you know, like, uh, what Bridgeport last year, or I can't remember what there was one regional, especially that was very poorly attended. Looked like that wasn't even in the West. Last year um, was was somewhat okay because you had like the. I'm uh, thinking of two years ago. Well, like the year that St. Cloud made the Tyler game, 
those were like a couple hundred fans in the stands because of COVID restrictions. Because of COVID, that's but, true. Uh, yeah, there's been some bad ones. Uh, they're going back to Toledo in a couple of years, and I don't think that's a very good idea. But last year they locked out, but it might be because St. Cloud when St. Cloud was at Toledo, right? And they had right. the can the cotton candy guy um, that was like just going around with a big old stick full of cotton candy, trying to sell it, like going down all the aisles, and it's like nobody was picking like, just up. Kind of nobody was picking up, but he was like like clearly in like blocking the action of the bottom portion, just a big old stick like of like eight different bags of flavors of cotton candy. And I'm like, buddy, not during play. What are you doing? Anyway, yeah, you get some of those and, and you could just shout now. It's like, Hey, you want cotton candy? You don't have to walk up and down those steps. It's not like, you know, they'll be able to hear you. So anyway, it's always good to check in. I, I like doing those. This one was sort of impromptu, but I like when you have like those, long quotes and then we can pick them apart one by one see the 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 folly of their arguments uh-huh. this is a good one i yeah. i learned a lot about steve metcalf i'm i'm glad you brought that up it's yeah. a good segment yeah. I, did, I, I didn't even prep you on that one either so yeah, I, we've I, had I two extended we've had two of those sessions today with commissioner quotes that, that'll be a new segment here <laughs> like dissecting need, commissioner quotes da, 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 da. We, did, we did new sounder for that so it's It'll be right next to our Wisconsin rule update sounder is the commissioner. I, I, quotes. I might have to do something with that. I'll workshop it and get back to you. <laughs> workshop it and see what we got. So uh, questions. Uh, Chester, I believe. Is it Chester? Uh, nope. Eric. What do we got going on here? Hold on a second. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, oh, we'll we'll go with Dan Jacobson first. Um, how hard is it to be academically ineligible while majoring in communications at UMD? <laughs> Which is a very good question. Uh, we could ask Cole Spicer that question, as uh, Cole Spicer is uh, not going to be partake in the he second don't. half of the season uh, for Minnesota Duluth and uh, academically ineligible. So he didn't. Uh, they didn't. I found it interesting they didn't go the Cam Reed route, um, where it was a little bit more of a. I mean, I was. I I wouldn't say I was like failing, but yeah, I was struggling a little bit. <laughs> they went, nope. Uh, Sandlin was just like, nope, he's academically ineligible and he will not be uh, with uh, Minnesota Duluth for the second half of the season. Uh, played a lot of minutes on uh, uh, Minnesota Duluth's top line and had, um, I believe, five goals on the season, which was tied for their team lead um, or second. Um, on their team lead or tied for second on their team. So it um, big blow for them. And uh, I could, I bet you're just, uh, you're just heartbroken by it, Andrew. (laughs) It's just a permanent smile on his face throughout the whole segment. Yeah. Yeah. Weeping um, in, in sympathy here for Duluth. Uh, I mean, I guess the obvious, the obvious joke would be that, well, St. Cloud could pick him up. 
they have no such uh, compunctions about academic standards. <laughs> uh, a, little, a little bit uh, southeast of Duluth there, but uh, um, he's but a I don't center. Know, can, can I mean, you, a little bit more center depth. He so. wouldn't be able to transfer in midseason to another team, a la Swankler did, right? Like he'd have to no. sit out probably, or he could just go yeah. to like some juniors, like Cam Reed did. So mm. yeah. Well, right now it looks like Youngstown picked him up. Oh, right, um, so he's, he's going to go back to the ECHL. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe so. this isn't the last we've seen of, of Cole Spicer. Maybe he uh, joins up with another NCHC team or CCHA. Maybe you, you take a step down to the, to a lesser conference. And <laughs> Oh yeah. The lesser conference, the academic standards of, you know, St. Thomas or Augustana. Yeah. Michigan or Tech. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A bunch of dummies there at Michigan <laughs> Tech. That would take him. Well, so, yeah, but you got like Lake State. They're like not known for for much academically. Ferris, thing, you know, Ferris yeah, is like a Ferris. What's, Ferris is like a golf course maintenance is their like niche uh, academic <laughs> oh, field. Go. Seriously, it's like though they lead the country in golf course management. Greenskeepers, greenskeepers <laughs> degrees. Yes, nice, nice. Um. So it's uh, obviously, um, and Dan Jacobson, who will be probably driving to Milwaukee, listening to this podcast, um, you know, if he's still going or if he's going to go the Cole Spicer route and just be like, yeah, I don't want to go either. Um, I just, I just don't know how, like, again, it's just my understanding that, you know, these hockey programs have so much, like so many resources at available for them so like you have to really try or really be addicted to xbox and just not go a la jace waslowski um to to not uh to be academically ineligible because i mean you can get all the help you need so it's impressive yeah so we'll see uh what ends up with him um and and where he's gonna end up um but uh, just kind of an interesting little turn uh, for a bad season. That's getting worse for Duluth. Um, you know, what feels like every passing moment. Um, uh, yeah. Eric's question, um, you know, ideal 10th uh, NCHC team. Um, is that a nearby program like uh, Mankato or Bemidji or someone else out there? Minnesota schools would throw the CCHA um, into a regional flux, but it'd be fun for this BSU uh, trip to have some conference points on the line. Um, yeah. And what Mankato threw out a feeler there not too long ago as well. Um, if I remember correctly, or there was something well, would have been those. a while ago. It would have been during our first iteration of the podcast when they, Oh, was it that long ago? Jeez. Arizona state applied. Perhaps they've applied again since then. I, can't remember that happening but i remember they put in an application like around 2017 i'm gonna say with asu that was like before asu had its facility and they were still pretty new as a program so i don't know if they had a a great chance at that time plus mankato really hadn't started their like great run in the ccha well the old wcha slash ccha like mckay hadn't started there yet so Oh, like sure their, their days of being a number one seed perennially in the That's tournament. That's right. I'm just started. old. But those days are seemingly kind of over with as well, like with Hastings gone and them kind of being fairly mediocre uh, this year. I'm not sure if the 
the stature of that program is as attractive to the NCHC as it would have been, say, two, three years ago. I said it before the year when we had that Arizona State, like welcoming them to the turn or welcoming them to the conference podcast. I put out there that St. Thomas, maybe not my preference, but I that was my prediction that they're going to be team 10 just because of the money involved with them, the attractiveness of the uh, university, the location of that. I sort of had that the location of them being in St. Paul was sort of, oh, that's nice for the frozen face off. Well, you can throw that out the window, but the fact that they're getting a, a new facility coming up, uh, plus their affiliation with the Summit League, which is where Josh uh, Fenton is at this point. There seem, there's been some rumors at least that NCHC and Summit League have been thinking of doing some sort of affiliation cross sport kind of uh, organization between the two conferences. So St. Thomas is already a part of that. So, and they are, I mean, as far as their competition wise, I mean, they're having a a good year this year, comparatively speaking, the other CCHA teams. So I don't think you're going to, they're not like the dog, like the doormat that's going to maybe unseat Miami out of last place that we thought maybe at the summertime this year. So if anything, I think St. Thomas's uh, profile has has risen a little bit since the summer when I made that call. So I'm, I'm going to stick with them, and and I don't I don't know if that's going to be this off season. Like it might be until they get their new facility, which I believe is in 2025, the 25 26 season. So it might coincide with them getting into their new barn. But I'll stick with them. I'm going to still say I think it's going to be St. Thomas will be number ten. What about you? Um. I don't know. I just feel like a lot of a lot of these teams at the CCHA, like I, I, I just feel like they're in a pretty good place right now. So I always kind of keep coming back to Lindenwood, just you know, to expand and do a completely new market. Um, it is a little bit of a more of an unknown, and I realize that you know, especially for us being you know, or the NCHC kind of priding themselves as being top tier, you know, (laughs) conference and then having Lindenwood who, you know, hasn't done anything as of yet. You know, I know that's kind of a stretch, but um, yeah, you know, it's, you know, we always have to, we also have to remember that, you know, having, you know, so many teams in one league, you know, in the WCHA days, you know, was not really the norm when you look out East, when you have in, you know, a, you know, what feels like a 50 mile square mile, you know, radius or so, or a 50 mile radius, um, you know, you might have three or four different conferences right there. So it's, so it's just not proximity. So I mean, it, there is something to be said also to having a mix of two different conferences because of the pairwise implications that make this series so much interest, so much more interesting than it normally would be. But, um, you know, at, at the same point, I, I, I don't know if, you know, you know, where the CCHA is at, um, you know, what would be the, the team to kind of, you know, get to the, the NCHC. My Right away, when I thought Augustana, I thought that would have been a good fit with their, um, you know, with their proximity and, you know, 
right on what I 29, I think is the freeway there in South Dakota. They might be um, right there with St. Thomas. Now that you're thinking about that with their sort of decent year, like they're competitive yeah. right off the bat. They they're getting a new facility. They are Which like opens up market. in like what? A couple weeks, a couple weeks. And so. they are unlike St. Thomas, which yes, it's the twin cities. You don't have someone literally there right now, but you already have two Minnesota teams. This would be like right between literally Grand Forks and Omaha. So you get like, you get that market and they're not like, they don't have a, you know, same with St. Thomas, like, but they're not like entrenched CCHA members. I mean, literally Augustana hasn't even begun a full fledged membership of that conference yet. They're still sort of affiliate quasi status. So that might not be so far off. I think conference conference with benefits. I've always I've said Lindenwood I think has no chance. I don't think any of the NCHC teams really respect them. I think like Bradbury. Passes, I mean that's probably true. Yeah, Bradbury passes gas when someone brings up Lindenwood. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking that. What? Uh, I, I think right. that um, what it, again it, it because the NCHC prides itself on the quality of the team that would, would that would hold yeah. back. Uh, St. Thomas and Augustana, as far as tradition of success at the D1 level, it's what held back, among other things, facilities well, but it's what held back Arizona State as well. And you can make the case that they really fit the bill the least among what are now the nine NCHC teams. You could make the case that that's what held St. Cloud State back from being an original member of the NCHC. Same with uh, Western Michigan, which is the other one of the afterthoughts. And so now that I'm thinking this, like, because I would have I would have passed gas in the past when Alaska's name was brought up, but they're having another decent year and they play a lot of NCHC teams like they, they play Denver, North Dakota and St. Cloud this year. Um, the one benefit, if you can call it that, with having Alaska in your conference is that any travel up there is compensated with two extra home games or two extra games you get to add to your you can add additional games based on the Alaska exemption. So like, would you rather put in, would you rather uh, have Augustana or St. Thomas, or let's even say Lindenwood in the conference? Um, Or would you have a, maybe a step up in competition with Alaska? Plus if you ever go up there, you can schedule two more home games as like where you can't do that with anybody else that's out of outside of Alaska. So I don't, I think with Alaska, their only chance is like, they got to make a tournament one of these years, not just like be the last team out. But if they can continue a sustained run of decent play up there, hmm. the thing about them is they're not, they're definitely not going back to the CCHA, CCHA because that league literally did a Minnesota goodbye to force <laughs> them Anchorage and Huntsville out of the league. Instead of booting them out of the WCHA the league, they resurrected a league in mothballs. And didn't invite them. So there's no way that they're ever going to crawl back to Alaska. So, and I don't see obviously the Western or the Eastern leagues picking up Alaska. So I really think their only hope, unless there's some big groundswell of other West coast teams that emerge in the next couple of years, their real only hope would be the NCHC. And like I said, it's a something that I wouldn't have given much thought to or credence to even like this time, six months ago, even, but Seeing as I think that Largen has got a good thing going there, and uh, I think they've played themselves into the competition. I still think it's a long shot, but 
I'll throw yeah. it out there as, as, as a long shot contender. I, uh, I love the idea. Also the fact that Alaska would probably be what pretty dominant in the, uh, in the CCHA. Um, oh, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, they got swept by Northern Michigan, I guess. So their, their worst week, so. worst results of the year. I mean, they, they won and tied at tech early in the season. And as we mentioned, tech is the pers- winning percentage leader in the clubhouse so far this year. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, yeah, if they were in that league, I might give them the upper hand. Uh, I probably would too. But yeah, that's, that's not, and also that would lot, make me but... feel better about losing to them too. So that would help. Yeah. We should want them to do better. Uh, we should want yeah. them to win as many. I mean, they should win a lot of their remaining games because a lot of them are against Lindenwood and LIU and Anchorage. Other than they really, if they, if they have any chance of getting the term, getting into the tournament this year, they got to win at least one of those games in grand forks coming up because that's really their only series against a good team coming or to, mm-hmm. to the, well, I guess Arizona state too. But as far as like current top 10 teams, like North Dakota is really the only test they have in the second half. So uh, like they did last year when they, they won a game in Denver, they got to at least win one of those games in grand forks to make it interesting for them, I think. Mm. And it could happen. They're a decent team. Yep. Um, last question, um, uh, makers and Coke, uh, or a white Russian tonight. So Eric, I'm sorry that I'm getting to you late on this one, but, uh, I say yes, have both. So I don't I know if it's a good answer. Um, I'll go the makers and Coke over the white. I'm not a huge fan of white Russians. There are, there are, right. Well, but yeah, yeah. Well, the dude abides, dude, um, this dude can abide without it just fine. Um, go Huskies woo did respond to that. Say, uh, makers and Coke, hold the Coke, add bitters and add sweet vermouth, which, um, so he's making a Manhattan. He is making a Manhattan. Exactly. Well, um, for me, a Manhattan has rye instead of bourbon, but that's, that might be picky, but <laughs> that's, that's a little picky, but I mean, you're a brandy old fashioned guy. So that's, I think the, I mean, by the book, uh, Recipe calls for Canadian whiskey or rye instead for, of uh, for, for, for Manhattan. Manhattan. Yes. I think so too. Um, and then <laughs> once we, once we are graduated, it's time to stop using soda mixers also was his, his take on that. And I think that, I mean, I get it. I get it. I think it's a little harsh though, because I am a fan it's a of little a, snooty. A, uh, makers and makers and coke is is a good drink i think well, it's, it's when you're out of college the that's the end of diet colas as mixers <laughs> you, you got to go the, the full flavor that's uh that's, i think that's the end of yag in general as well <laughs> like there's no more yag bombs at that point like yeah i don't know the last time i've had a yag bomb and i don't think i'm gonna go back it's the end of it's drop so. shots Yes, the drop, the drop shot era of your life ended the drop shot, once you or the left pixie, the, once you left the Stearns County line, <laughs> the pixie stick era as well. <laughs> um, uh, but I am also like I'm a sucker for like a seven and seven. Um, Another or, good one, yeah. Like so, so anything or along the ginger, along those lines. the ginger ale and Irish whiskey that like two gingers or 
Mm. Yeah, nothing wrong with a, a soda plus a spirit also, drink. And, and really, what, a, a little bit of soda is in a Long Island, and that'll uh, there you go. That's what gives so. it the nutrition. <laughs> that's that's what gives it's the a little bit, little bit of both. Yep, exactly. And I'm pretty sure there's a quite a fair amount of buffaloes as well that have some kind of a soda mixer involved. <laughs> So yeah, little, are you going to go to, right. are you going to go to Ryan Malone and tell him that, uh, excuse right. me, sir. <laughs> yeah. Pump the brakes there on the, uh, soda <laughs> mixing, uh, snobbery. Uh, yeah. Right. G- exactly. <laughs> that was maybe, maybe a little, maybe that was a little harsh on our part. No, maybe good. not. I don't, I don't think I like so. that. We book it, booked end this show with some booze book- talk. I liked it. Started it and ended it. Some booze talk. So, yeah, maybe a nice, um, yeah, because there's what? There's two distilleries now in St. Cloud that, or the St. Cloud area that are within like, uh, uh, I was going to say like a nine iron away, but obviously a lot longer than that. But uh, there's Iron Street, which is um, on the east side of town. And then, yeah, that's the one over by the the recycling plants where uh, Gritty St. Cloud. Yeah, it's kind of part of their tour. Like, where's yeah, the other? That, where's and the, the history other, uh, history disturbing. of Amtrak through right. St. Cloud as well? So correct. Um, uh, St. Joe uh, has a distillery, oh. Obink Distillery. Um, is that like downtown St. Joe? Um, is there a downtown? Saint oh, yeah, like where that like that bad <laughs> habit is. No. Uh, well, I mean, no. Minnesota like, Street. Obviously, it's like dream. a couple of blocks away because it's St. Joe, but it's, it's on the like other out, side. Out in the boonies, like closer to St. John's. Correct. Like, okay. No, um, I mean, if you're if you're heading like from St. Cloud and then out to like 94, and you're going through it, whereas like Bad Habit would be on, you take a left to go into like yes downtown, which downtown St. Joe is actually pretty cool. It's yeah. got a lot of cool places there's a good um, restaurant that's right next to that bad habit i can't remember it's like an italian joint it's uh pretty good but there's Be- bella cucina i think that's what um, it is. It's, um it's and then solid. they've got um a they've got crew which is like a uh creole a place. wine bar oh uh, i didn't i don't so, know about that crew yeah. how do you spell that i um, thought i thought you c-r-u like a wine bar no uh c-r-e-w-e so it's got um, a lot of like, uh, yeah, Creole, Louisiana fare and whatnot, Jumbo, which I've heard like, is, salad jambalaya, jambalaya and, and, and gumbo and, and gumbo and stuff like that, Love which I've heard is dig a good gumbo. incredibly good. I haven't been able to go there yet, but, uh, but yeah, you, and, instead of taking a left down to that side, you just take a right and it's like right there. Um, okay. Kind of a smaller place, but it, it's really cool. What do they so, uh, specialize in? Uh, any spirit in particular? Whiskey. Okay. Whiskey. What, what, what yeah. kind of whiskey? So, we're talking bourbon, talking rye, we're talking scotch. What, they, what they've talking? got a couple of different ones. And both them and Iron Street also have like gin as well. Um, and I believe they have a couple of other ones. But um, so I did buy a couple of bottles. They had a special where it was like buy one bottle, get a second bottle for a dollar. So nice. I, I, I did that. Um. And then I like I they rang it up and I was like that that can't be right um, and they were like nope that's the special I was like oh okay so if I go back and I buy more can, can I buy you know bring this up that's good I'll sign I'll just buy more in there and they said no because apparently it's Minnesota state law that you can only purchase seven fifty mils per day from 
a distillery. And I found that incredibly interesting. So, yeah, they were like, we'd love to sell you more, but we can't come by tomorrow, <laughs> which I was like, mm, interesting. Hmm. So, like, from a dis- actual distillery, yeah, there's they cap you at a certain size. Because I think I bought, like, a, it was like a 375. So well, what was the, like what was the second one for a dollar yeah. then? It was two 375s is what I bought. <laughs> okay. So that you can, uh, a total of 750. Correct. Yeah. That sounds like a Minnesota state law. <laughs> Doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like the weirdest thing? But you can yes, go, you know, three blocks away to the liquor store and just ransack it. And that's fine. That's so, yeah, makes sense. I don't know. So I, I guess they don't want to put the local, your local city owned liquor stores out of business or something along those lines. I don't know. Anyway, I had some Obink whiskey and it was, it was all right. Tasting, um, not good on the nose. So definitely, definitely with a mixer like, and iron street as well is a little bit funky on the nose too. So, I mean, you're, and maybe it's not fair because, like, I, I tried, especially I tried, like, the Iron Street right after I had, like, the Old Forester 1910. So I think there's a little bit of gap in between those two. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, it's good to know. I, I've got so. some some new potential uh, sponsors, you know, to, uh-huh. to hit up uh, if if I ever uh, get motivated to find some oh. new sponsors. Ah, there you go. But yeah. uh, on the uh, just, you know, as long as their pitch about being on the nose reminds you of the banks of St. Cloud State University or something like that. So you might have something there uh, like that. <laughs> It's got the smell. It's it. The smell reminds you of the the days of the old Sartell paper mill. Like it's got that those the the wafty reminisce reminisce about the smells of the press with Iron Street <laughs> press on a Saturday night at two a.m. Oh wow! Nobody wants that. Bottle so. it up. It's a new Bottle perfume. It. Yep, exactly. Uh, that about does her, uh, yeah, this episode. Her. Uh, you can reach me at, uh, uh, or on X at more clappers, M O A R more clappers. Andrew, where can they find you? At Andrew at greenground.com as well right. as email. I still do email, uh, huskies hockey podcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. I'll send you one back. Send me an email. If you have any hot takes about 1970s movies and your yep. hot takes about The Godfather. Let me uh, have those uh, Godfather 3 takes, Dan Jacobson. <laughs> there you go. Shoot them into my veins. Watch Godfather Part 3 instead of watching, uh, what, Duluth against whoever they're playing in Milwaukee. He'll, he'll have it's... probably a better time doing that. <laughs> have... the, the Cole Spicerless Bulldogs will <laughs> not have any punch. No chance so, against Air Force. No. So, um, one other thing. Um, obviously, uh, thanks for everyone who um, listened to the last podcast. Um, also, when we had Jake Baskin on, great. Will Juniors. Um, great talk with him. Um, if you can, um, delete the download, re-download it. Um, I kind of messed up on the audio track on it a little bit. Um, it should sync up a little bit better this time. But um, it was... 
you know, uh, a great talk with him and um, obviously USA four to one win against Norway. Um, and uh, we'll, uh, you know, kind of keep an eye on that here over the next, uh, you know, a week or so. We'll see, hopefully, USA takes home the gold. So let's hope. Uh, until next time, go Huskies. Woo!